Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly. And I'm happy to welcome Tiffany Shalane to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Tiffany continues to amaze us all with the with all the things that she's doing and has such a perspective on what's going on in the world. And we need to learn more and more about that. But just a little about Tiffany. Tiffany Shalane is an, is an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, founder of the Webby Awards, and author of the national best-selling book, 24-6, The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week, which was the Marshall McLuhan Outstanding Book Award. Altogether, Tiffany's work has received over 80 awards and distinctions. She was honored by Newsweek as the woman changing the 21st century. She was selected by the Albert Einstein Foundation's Genius 100 Visions of the Future, and her UC Berkeley address was named the NPR as the best speech ever. Her films have premiered uh, everywhere, including Sundance, and she has new live cinematic one-woman show, Dear Human, showcased at the Museum of Modern Art in New York in February of 2020. And she just, that just skims the the surface. There's so much that you're doing, absolutely. Now, her newest initiative is a workshop for companies to adjust the workplace developed that's been caused by COVID called the future of work and well-being. I can't wait to hear about that because that's where I come from as well. So Mm. again, welcoming you back. So good to be talking to you. Oh, so nice to be here. And, uh, you know, 50 Women Changed the World, that was that was really my first introduction to you. I mean, we haven't even talked about all the different things that you've done. But when I saw that that film, I was really just in, just in the heat of doing what I'm doing, which is changing the world one woman at a time by lifting one woman up at a time and lifting as we rise. So, I mean, you, you just, you know, brought chills down my spine and everything that you continue to do is so timely. And so important for us to understand and know. And COVID, geez, COVID has been, for me, actually, I think for me and many people, an opportunity. And I think that's what you're talking about when you talk about the workplace. So, yeah. all right, first of all, let's just talk about you first, because 
you know, women sometimes look at other women and they think it's been so easy for them or they're so beautiful. They've got a great personality. They're smart. And so women, we compare ourselves to each or each other way too much. And we don't really understand and know each other till we tell our stories. So mm. how did you get to be Tiffany in just a, a few mm. sentences? Because, I mean, again, what you're doing is amazing in the world. That's such a great way to start because I, I mean, actually, as I get older, that's what I love about getting older is you just know that everyone's been through a lot. <laughs> I don't know anyone that hasn't been through it. And I think when you're younger, you idealize and romanticize other people's lives and you never know what they went through. And so um, I think the short nutshell, I'm going to try to say it really abridged is I believe I had a very idyllic childhood up until I was around eight and um my parents had a horrible divorce and i also in my childhood my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer so um there was a lot of talk about death and i think those events were very profound for me um my, my father was a surgeon who studied a lot about the brain so a lot of my films are influenced by that and my mom went back to school when my parents got divorced to become a phd in psychology so she taught me a lot about the brain and the emotional aspects of the brain and the psychology sure. and i think those two events shaped my my being i always always felt fortunately like i was loved they were both feminists i felt like i could do anything but um, I was really supposed to be a doctor for many years and breaking free from that and be deciding I wanted to be a filmmaker was a <laughs> courageous move, let's just say. Um, but, you know, and I did very well in college and then felt confident enough to try to make a feature film right out of college and totally failed publicly, widely, you know, because everyone was writing about me because I was so young making a film and then I totally ran out of money and I, I, it was just like my big flop. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me to fail very young, very publicly. And I really understand the nature of failure and humility and having to build yourself back up and what depression feels like and what taking small steps to believe in yourself feels like. And then I did and I built myself back up, but I can taste all of that like it was all yesterday. Yeah. And um I think it's really stayed close to me through all of my successes along the way. Um, and so I think in a nutshell, I've always been very tenacious. Um, I'm very curious. Whenever I'm really trying to figure something out, I usually make a film about it. And it helps me focus and study deeply on a subject. It forces me to focus yeah. and, and go deep. And, um, and even my book. And my practice, um, you know, I turn off screens one day a week and wrote a book about it. And in a lot of ways, just telling that story, I think a lot of that was in response to like an upbringing that kind of, like, what are the rituals you can do in your life and your family to try to focus on the right things and make space for meaning and connection and um, reflection and all these things that I think kind of got lost in the mix at some point in my home life. Yeah. Um, so I think that your wounds inform you and can make you stronger but I think when people look at me like, oh, my God, how do you do all the things you do? And, and um, you know, I've worked really hard. And at 51, it feels great to be where I am. But it wasn't like I didn't have an easy path. Like in some ways, being a doctor, although that's very difficult, there's a very clear path on how to be a doctor. And whatever I'm doing now, 
which is a combination of writing, making movies, doing programs for companies and doing art. There's no path to that. You have to kind of always be figuring it out. So yeah, that was kind of a longer answer than I was expecting. But. Yeah, but, but, but what you're saying is though, is that you come from a helping background, which you have continued to do, but you've taken the different talents that you've acquired along the way and the things that you were born with and created an opportunity to, for people to learn, to grow, and to inspire. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you've done. I mean, seriously, if if we can just inspire one other person or help one other person in our lifetime, I'd say we've been successful and you've been mm-hmm. more than successful, really, you know, and we don't know what we don't know. You know, we don't know what's going on until people inform us. So filmmakers and, and writers and people that create art to show us the way or at least give us an opportunity to do something about it if we choose to, it's wonderful. So, you know. Well, yeah, I, it's almost like the way I feel when I watch a good film, a good documentary, is that I feel like, oh, gosh, in an hour and a half, I got to go really deep on a subject. Yeah. And so whenever, like when I made that film 5050 about the history of women in power, the 10,000 year history of women in power, because yeah. so many women, I think it's a disservice that we come from this place of like, we're only this percent of this. We're not enough CEOs. We're not, we're not, we're not. And that's yeah. a very, that's like a scarcity mindset. So I wanted to go back in history when, you know, my father used to write about the goddess culture. Women were worshipped 10,000 years ago. Why don't we start there? Yeah. Why don't we start from what we the power we had and and figure out a way to get to a more balanced world instead of thinking, oh, we've never had. Well, actually we did. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we had it all. We had, we also had religion. We had yeah. in our pocket as well. So, so yes, I believe it's absolutely true that women should understand that we've come from a great place of, of not scarcity, but many, many talents and abilities. And they've always been there. They've wow. always been there. You know, when I was when I was working on my doctorate and I was working on improving and growing and I, I have daughters, I wanted to leave a legacy for them. I would sometimes hear other women say, who do you think you are? Mm. You know, who do you think you are? You know, it's almost as if we, we've come from this mentality or at least a group of women that were trying to change their mindset and change the mindset of their children have come from a place of competition and scarcity, but also threatened by anyone else who's successful or tries to change the dial. This is what I continue to do is that I'm surrounding myself with women like yourself who truly understand it's really about lifting others up. Yeah. Finding ways to to educate them or give them information that they're they might be able to do something with. Well, and I think also what I love about what you do is it's the women supporting women and it's the idea that more equals more. Like there's certain things that are finite, but then there's certain things that I feel like are infinite. Like when women help in other women, it becomes everyone becomes infinitely more powerful. Like all boats rise. So there isn't like you, one person's powerful and then another woman's less powerful. Actually, the state of the world right now, the more we help as many women as possible, the more we're going to change the whole structure of society and where women are. So I feel like whenever I help a woman, I'm just like widening the pathway. And, um, you know, something you said earlier, the first part of my career, 
which I don't know if you mentioned or not, but it has to do with what you're talking about is I founded the Webby Awards, which honors the world's best websites. And I ran it for 10 years and I sold it like 15 years ago and started a nonprofit to make movies. And in a lot of ways, the thing that I think both of my parents did bestow on me and I feel really lucky is that they always told me they were proud of me. And I know a lot of people didn't feel that from their parents. And when I did the Webby Awards, it felt like I was in a very big public way saying, good job. And so many people need to hear that. And it makes them do more. When you say excellent work, you're getting an award. It like people rise, not only to that occasion, they rise higher. So I spent the first decade of my life just saying, good job, good job. You get, you know, I'm going to shine the spotlight (laughs) on you and you're shining the spotlight on me. And it's like, it's such a, like the more light, the more light and the more power in the world. And I think um, that people, you know, whenever they're scrolling through Instagram or whatever thing, and they think somebody else has it more figured out, I would just say that (laughs) most of social media is very performative, but that everyone's got their own stuff they're dealing with. I mean, everyone's got their own stuff. One of the most important things that you said to me, and and I want to, I want to really, really point this out is that you asked for my help. Yeah. And this is something that women have to become more comfortable with mm-hmm. is that surrounding themselves with women, men and women who don't necessarily, that do things necessarily better than they do, but also that they can ask for help because, you know, uh, Tiffany, in my lifetime, everything that I have given comes back to me threefold. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it happen over and over again in my life. And people, if they come from a place of scarcity, they're very, very concerned. If they give it all away, then they won't have anything. And so they're constantly, you know, well, I don't think I can do that. I don't, you know, some of the, the most wealthy people in the world do not give to help others. And to yeah. me, it's just, it's like, you don't understand. You don't understand yeah. how the world works. Yeah. You know? You know, I know we're talking about you and I, because I think the thing is, I've always really wanted to chat with you about some of these things. But, but one of the things that you are doing, and I let it let it ripple, the ripple effect, and you talk about character and the mm-hmm. human economy. I went, I watched films yesterday. I had the best oh, time watching films. And so, you know, and it, it really is. I come from a place of purpose-driven. I am a purpose-driven person. And covid has changed the way I'm doing many, many things. And most importantly, it's relationships. Mm. And we know that the most important things in companies right now are the relationships that they're developing, have developed uh, and continue to nurture, or they have to do business differently. And so you've been helping with COVID in the workplace and well-being. What are some of the key factors? Uh, You know, and like I said, I can go on and on, but this this is about you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I just love talking to you like, okay. Yeah. I'm talking about this new program that we're doing, which has been very exciting called the future of work and well-being. You know, I told you I did this, I do this practice where I turn off all screens one day a week and I'm now it's just hit my 13th year of doing it. And I can see as like a productive person in my work, how much better my work got and how much happier I was when I really took a break on the weekend. Yeah. And it was so profound for me that I ended up writing a book about it and trying to share it with other people just one day a week just turning off the screens and and not receiving so much input from the outside world and really be reflective and focus on the people in your home or in your life. And it came out before COVID and there was a lot of interest about it with screen addiction. And then there was a second wave of interest when 
the pandemic happened because everyone was on screens all the time and it was overwhelming and burning people out. And then last summer, all these business articles started being written about the book from a time management strategy. So it was in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. Like this is a time management strategy. And I've always felt that way too, because I reserve, I bake in each week time for rest. And I don't think about work and I don't look at my phone and nothing can get at me and I can recharge and rejuvenate in a very profound way. Um, And we've made a lot of films about the neuroscience of rest, productivity, creativity, meaning, purpose, all these things. So we thought, you know, let's do a program for companies. And we um, had a great four-week program with the Cliff Bar Company, the Energy Bars, and we're in the middle of one with Coca-Cola. And it's been so great because companies everywhere, like, who would have thought, especially every working mother, the thought that companies would even entertain the idea that you don't have to work at the office. Like, that's what we all wanted, right? We had kids at home. You're like, how do I do this? And actually at my film studio, we always only went in two days a week because I'm a working mom and I'm my own boss. So I'm like, that seems like the dream situation. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm at home. I'm working from home. Tuesday and Thursday, highly collaborative. I'm working with my team. So we've done that for 15 years. So we had a lot of experience in the hybrid work model. So all these companies, I was reading so many articles about like companies struggling with employees not wanting to go back to work, employees feeling burnt out from all the screen expectations, all this stuff. I thought, wait, I have a solution. Let's just apply all of this to the workplace. Everything that we've learned at our film studio, all the things I've learned from 13 years of really turning off the screens one day a week, And then all the kind of work we've done with our films about character, meaning, purpose, mentorship, all these things. So we turned it into a four-week program, and it just has gone so well. So it's four weeks, but it's really, we're talking like one-hour experiences each week for four weeks. And we did it with all the employees and with the leadership. And I'm really walking them through first, like the first week, I give a very, you know, big picture, inspiring talk about the history of pandemics in society, the history of work. I mean... Something good has come from something. Exactly. And, you know, if you look back at the bubonic plague, I mean, right, yeah. it was all that death and destruction. It totally changed society. And then the Renaissance happened. Mm-hmm. And then with the, the 1918 um, pandemic, so much death and destruction. And then women got the right to vote right after that. Yeah. And then this one, I'm like, what's going to happen? Well, we've had a huge social justice uh, movement that I've, I've seen more progress in it in my lifetime than I ever have. Um, I think that workers' rights and people really demanding, like, actually, it's not good for me to go in five days a week and be away from my family. And I'm being just as productive. Maybe I need to go in two or three days a week and really questioning that. So I think that's been radical. And then for me, as somebody who's been very involved with the web, it was very exciting to see the web be used as like, massive scientific collaboration to invent all these vaccines. And that was very exciting. So, but I think this worker rethinking the way we work is a very, can be a really powerful outcome from the pandemic if we choose to use this as a lesson. So really listening to the workers and saying, well, what what was so great about working? Were you really productive? I don't think they're going to have a choice about not listening to the workers. Right. There's many people that are not going back to work. They're demanding. They also have uh, choices as to where they go to work. Exactly. One, one of my big concerns, and this is one one thing that we have talked quite a bit about, and especially we're, we're writing about and we're talking about it, is the number of women who have left the workforce mm-hmm. and then are not and are choosing not to go back. We need these women back in leadership roles. We need them back into these companies, whether it's flex time or it's Zooming or whatever. But but I think, you know, this is probably something that you're probably hearing a little bit about too. And I just wonder what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, I mean, when push came to shove during the pandemic, it was a lot of the women that had to leave the workforce to take care of their kids in the home. Yeah, And of course, that's super frustrating. 
um, to me and many women because we have a lot of important perspective to contribute to any problem in society or any workforce. So I'm hoping that companies really embracing and understanding, wow, we really are going to only be working two or three days in the office. And that is going to allow women or the, the parent that's the caretaker of the children to be able to do both and to really have trust and create, co-create with the employees, a work environment that works but great for the company and for people's lives. Because I think before COVID, it was like your life centered around work. And then during COVID, I think one of the gifts is it was a very philosophical time. People thought, what's the meaning of life? I might die. Who do I want to spend my time with? I know my world of like 100 people went down to like 15. Who do I really want to spend my time with? What do I really want to spend my time doing? Because I also my energy, like, you know me, I have a lot of energy. But during COVID, I only had like half the good hours of a day to get stuff done because I was stressing and reading the news. And, and like, what do I really want to spend my energy doing when I'm working? So I think a lot of us rethought these very big questions, which I think is amazing. Are companies asking about women coming back to work? Are they asking how they can re-engage? I think people, well, the companies that I'm talking to are very forward thinking and are doing that. I think there's companies, like I just read an article last week, like all these companies that kept pushing back the return to work date are like, now they're being very firm with it, but they're firm, but they're going to have to be open to collaborating with everyone because- <laughs> Exactly. Well, so I, I think- can't, Don't understand those terms. For, for right. Flexible, but they firm are- Firm and flexible. And so I think when we do this program, which is very fun and exciting and engaging and inspiring, but with a lot of science and research in there, that it is a structure- um, for companies that want to work with us to do this, it makes it like it's an I'm, I'm kind of coming from the outside. I'm a filmmaker. I'm showing you it's a very visual dynamic talk, but I'm also it's very interactive with the employees. And it's um, it's a great guide in this transition. I think we're in a big transition period where a lot of people are figuring it out. And I think the heartening thing is that, you know, we just did it with this very big company like Coca-Cola, Cliff Bar. And then we just had a university reach out to us that wants to do it with all their staff. And then a lot of nonprofits who actually can't afford, you know, it costs for us to do the program. Sure. And there's like some nonprofits we might actually be grouping together so that they can pay for it. And we might even apply for a grant to pay for the nonprofits to go through the program. Well, I'd be um, interested in helping, but I also would like you to change the terminology from not from profit to social profit. Oh, I love it when you said so, that in an email. So, I know. I don't like not for profit. It's not so negative, but when... You know, I spoke, in, I spoke in front of a group of, of social profit organizations and I called them social profit. I said, what will we be, what would our society be without any of you? And they started to puff up, you know, they got bigger and they started to puff up. And so, you know, you I, know, I love what you're saying, because why is it starting with a negative word? Not, not for profit. It's like you're starting, talk about, you're starting with a negative. I yeah. couldn't wait. You know what? I'm sure you've written about this. Yeah. Will you send it to me and I'm going to include it in my newsletter because it's such a, it's such a big idea, Nancy. The, like, why do we call it non-for-profit? In fact, I'm reading a great book right now, which is about to come out, which you will love. It's the woman, Luann Bresendine, who wrote The Female Brain like 20 years ago. It was a national bestseller. She has a new book coming out in April called The Upgrade. And I'm interviewing her at a book event. So I'm like yes. reading it. Yes. But it's all about renaming menopause, perimenopause. Because think about the word menopause says men in it. It's like men get a pause from having a fertile, juicy woman. No, it is about women becoming more well, powerful. Also, men have man pause. So, so we, we, yeah, our, the terms that we use, the verbs, matter, uh, 
has so much to do with, you know, we're, we're also now looking at as far as diagnosis and looking at someone and saying, what, what are you really good at instead of what are you really, I mean, we, we have, well, that's positive psychology. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like yeah. a lot of our films take the positive psychology spin, even 50, 50 was like, instead of what women can't do, let's talk about all the things that women can do. And positive psychology was so radical at the time, because for 70 years in psychotherapy, it was what's wrong with you and how can we fix it? And then the positive psychology movement came around with like Marty Seligman and Eric Peterson. And they said, actually, what's right with you and how do we amplify that? So it's all about language has power. I, I mean, the social prof, I mean, it's such a brilliant idea. And I'm even like shocked that I'm still using not non-for-profit now. But actually it's interesting because this future of work program, which is like, we get paid by a corporation to do it. And then all these nonprofits are like, we want to do it. You not the nonprofit. You just said nonprofit. I know. Social, wait, what do you, all these. Social profit organizations. Or all these social them, profit or, organizations. Or you can call them 501c3 social profit organizations. Okay, okay. Then you, then, uh, you are legitimate and you are saying both. But uh, I absolutely love that. I am literally... <laughs> You're going to send me well, what you've written about well, that, and I'm going to try to cement it. Hat for me, and if I can help in any respect to those social profit organizations, that's <laughs> where I come from with the Women Connect for Good Foundation. So yeah. okay. uh, we are a social profit foundation <laughs> as well. So. I but, love you know, that. I'm just going to throw out some words because this is what it's about. It's human economy it's mm-hmm. cultivating character mm-hmm. it's it's about core virtues we, we have to continue to develop character yeah. we have I, I love this character concept and interdependence we're not con- we are connected we are all connected we better get over that and i think COVID yeah. has shown us that oh covid has shown us that and i mean you're, what you're doing in the workplace is so very important because and we have to get women back to work. But ownership is key. Interdependence, but ownership and connection and value. The, the- and, and, and we have to create a work environment that allows women to also be present mothers and contribute to society. And that is a workplace that, I mean, when, when people would say to me, why aren't there more women CEOs? And it's actually not that much of a question for me. I'm like, because if you're a CEO of these big companies, you're on the road a lot raising money and for that, you're not home. And a lot of women don't want to make that bargain. And I get it. Like, it's not that shocking to me. Okay. And and you've got to join the Lift Women Up campaign. We're going to send you information that you can help promote that. And you can can promote those in this companies as well. Not only things about social profit, but we can, we can share also. We're pretty good at sharing. So we are very good at sharing. And I think re-envisioning what a successful workplace means. That's a lot of what this program is, is like, let's, we have this great opportunity. We've been through this crazy pandemic. We're at this incredible moment in time where we get to reimagine what a thriving employee, manager, CEO, what that looks like. And maybe that looks like they value their life more. Maybe it's not all work. I mean, remember when like Google the people never left. They had the dry cleaning there, the massage. You can live there. I mean, that's not healthy. That's not good. Let's go back to you have a good, enriching life. You have meaning and purpose. And you channel that at work. And you're super ins- inspired and reset. You're not being texted all weekend and emailed all weekend. You have a break. And you get to contribute good to society. Well, I you mean, know, companies don't understand this. 
you know, five people, if a company does well, five people will tell five other people who will continue to f- tell five other people, da, 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 goes on and on, what a great company is. But customers are also within your company because they're going to go out and they're going to tell people about the company they work for, the work that they do. They're going to share that with others about you don't want to work here or you want to work here because this is the wonderful place, most wonderful place to work. And I, I think when that. companies begin to understand that, they have customers within their organizations as well as the ones. I love that you're oh. saying that because I, I heard this. Somebody said it used to be that the customer is always right. And now they're understanding the employee is always right because don't start outside. It's let it ripple, like ripple from the inside of the company to the outside world. That's why we named our studio. Let it ripple. Like so much happens has to start from the center. Yeah, absolutely. The first contact that you have with any company within or without or outside of it begins as the wheel spinning. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, well, I have no doubt that you're going to get it. You're going to get it and you're getting it. <laughs> and like, well, you know, we're all doing our part. You're doing a part. I'm doing, we're all kind of doing our part. But uh, yeah, well, I'll connect you with the museum, uh, social profit, and uh, also the um, other, any, anything else that you need. You know, I'm here for you. you uh, I, I just want to say connect. I love you. I want to say I love you because I, can I, I say love that? You. I love you too. <laughs> you in LA sometime. All right. Yeah. So how how do they find out more about this? Well, you'll have a link on the um, on the podcast, right? Yeah. There's letterripple.org is our film studio, but I, I have a link that's letterripple.org, like future work that you, people video, will. You've got videos. We'll, we'll oh yeah, yeah. And if people want to see the films I mentioned, they can go to tiffanyshlain.com. That's s h l a i n.com. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Even though I go off of it every weekend, but. Um, my website, tiffanyshlane.com, has a lot of info about the films. and so. I've got to have some of that bread you keep making. So. Oh, well, you'll have to. Do you ever come to Northern California? You can come over and I'll cook for you. Okay. That's the greatest form of love. I can cook you a meal and make you some hollow. Well, we, we're, we're not done with each other. We're just getting started. So. Just getting started. I want you to have a wonderful day and uh, let's keep you going too. and keep moving forward and use COVID as an opportunity to make opportunity. I love that. And it was so great talking to you. All right. Have a great one. Talk to you. Bye. Later. Bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate and review them on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening.